Amen. Well, turn your Bibles this morning to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. That is our theme verse for this year, and a great place to start. I know you're probably familiar with that phrase, always faithful, as belonging to the Marine Corps. It didn't originate with them, uh, but they've adopted it as a motto of every Marine. Semper Fidelis is the Latin term that they get that from, and as, as the Marines say about their motto, they say this, quote, it is an eternal and collective commitment to the success of our battles, the progress of our nation, and the steadfast loyalty to the fellow Marines we fight alongside. See, for them, it goes just beyond speaking the words. It's a lifestyle for them. It's something, and always faithful means that you are there even after you get out of the Marine Corps. You, you are always faithful to these values and to this, to, this, uh, to this commitment that they've made. And I'm certainly not trying to hijack that term. I don't think we could hijack Semper Fidelis if we wanted to. Everybody knows Semper Fi is the Marines. Uh, but I think it fits perfectly with what we're trying to accomplish as a church. Uh, we're soldiers in the army of God. We should be completely and totally committed to the success of the institution that Jesus Christ gave his life for, the church. We should be completely and totally committed to the progress of the church that God has called every one of us to be a part of. We should be completely and totally committed and loyal to the Christians that God has called us to serve alongside. There's something special about devoting yourself to a cause, especially when it's a cause with eternal implications. And everybody wants to be involved in something today. Everybody wants to be able to, to, to give their life for a cause. And this is what I've rallied around. And, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with it, but you have, you know, uh, you have people, you know, a lot of, a lot of these sports guys, the, the commentators and different coaches and things like that that have made a name for themselves, rally people around a cause. And they get people to donate money to cancer research or diabetes research or, you know, uh, junior diabetes research is one of them that's really popular, JDRF, and lots of other different things that people devote themselves to. But what, a great, greater, what greater cause can we give ourselves to than the cause of advancing the gospel of Jesus Christ? That's not just something that, boy, if you can raise some money in a few years, maybe you'll find a, 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 a cure for cancer, or maybe you can find a cure for this uh, junior diabetes, or maybe you can find a cure for this thing or that thing or some breakthrough in, in this product or that product, and how nice that would be to be able to do some of those things. But when we die, we're gone. And that doesn't, doesn't last past that. Spreading the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ lasts for all of eternity. Faithfulness is something that the Bible speaks a whole lot about. In fact, that word faithful is found in the Bible over 80 times. Uh, one verse that sticks out in particular and leaves no question as to the importance of being faithful, we find in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, and you don't have to turn there, but it says this, Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. It's required in stewards. If you are a Christian, if you're saved, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, then you are a steward of the things of God. You've been giving the, given those things, and God wants you to take those things and use them for his service. We are stewards in the cause of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says, moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. So if it's a requirement and something spoken of so frequently in the Bible, then we should talk about it and make sure that we understand it. But we find this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. 
I want to share three areas with you this morning as a focus for our theme for this new year. Always faithful. Always faithful. Let's pray, and then we'll look at a couple of these ideas here this morning. Father, we love you. Again, we thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for an opportunity we have to be in your house this morning. I pray that you'd help us to never take that for granted. Well, what a great privilege it is to be to, to, to sit here around your word with other Christians and to figure out what we need to do to help us be better Christians for you. Help us to figure out how we can accomplish more for the cause of Christ, especially in this brand new year that you've given us, a new page that we can turn over, a, a, a new opportunity to start fresh and give ourselves in the complete service of Jesus Christ. I pray that you'd help us to be willing to do that. Pray that you'd use the message in our hearts this morning to motivate us to, to, to be willing and to, and to desire to do more for you in this coming year. Thank you again for what you do for us in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn over to Hebrews chapter 10, because the first thing when it comes to being always faithful is that we should be faithful to God's house. I think you would expect me to say that, but we often quote Hebrews chapter 10, but it's such a poignant verse to apply to exactly what we're talking about here. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number 25 says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. Can there be any doubt that Jesus Christ coming is close? It might, not, it might be 100 years from now. I don't know when Jesus Christ is coming. But you look around at everything that we see happening today. The coming of Jesus Christ is closer than, it's ever ha than it ever has been. And even if it's still 100 years away, it's closer today than it was yesterday. It's closer today than it was last month. It's closer today than it was at this time last year. So much the more as you see the day approaching. What are we supposed to do more? Gathering together, assembling ourselves together for the, for the sake of exhorting one another, for the sake of, of gathering around God's word and finding out what we can do to move forward for the cause of Jesus Christ. I understand that there are certain times, there are certain things that come up that require you to miss from time to time, but I'm asking you that you resolve to be here as often as you can. Church attendance numbers are fading across the nation. Less people are going to church today than, than, we've, than, than at any time in our nation's history. More people are identifying themselves with non-religion or atheism than at, ever, than at any point in our nation's history. And online services, they're becoming a whole lot more convenient. It's important to remember why church attendance is important for you and your family and why that matters so much. You can't serve from your couch. You can't have community of faith on your, on your couch. You can't experience the power of a room full of believers that are worshiping together from your home. Uh, you can watch the services online. And, you know, Christians, Christians aren't consumers. We're contributors. We, we don't watch. We engage. We give. We sacrifice. We, we encourage. We pray for the hurting. We do life together. That's why you, 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 can't, you, you can't get involved in a church by watching that, that church from your house. The church needs you, and you need the church. So what, I guess what I'm asking is, would you add one service a week to what you're doing already? We have a lot of services every week. We have Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. We have different things that, that are going on during the week, different special services. If you come on Sunday morning, I want to ask you, would you consider adding Sunday night or Wednesday night? If you, if you come on Sunday morning and Sunday night, won't you add Wednesday night to that? If you come uh, uh, every so often on Sunday morning, take a step of faith to be faithful on Sunday morning. It's great to have live stream. It's great to have podcasts and, and other ways to join in and hear the service. Those are great tools. 
But those are there for the sake of somebody who absolutely cannot be at church, either because they're sick or because they can't get out of their house. It's not there so, uh, so you can wake up on Sunday morning and say, well, it'd be nice to go today, but it's so easy to just stay in my pajamas. I think I'll sit on the couch and watch, watch the service this morning. That's not what the live stream is there for. That's, that's one of the reasons why it was so, such a long time after we started before we finally put a live stream in. I, I, and I understand, we, we have people that, that watch our live stream that, that are in different places in the country. Obviously, they can't physically be here. And I appreciate the people who watch on the live stream. But the live stream is there for the people who cannot actually physically be here. It's not so you can be lazy and not come to church. It's, it's, it's so you have an opportunity to, if you're sick, you can sit at home and watch. Or if you, if you got a particular blessing from, a, from the message or a song, you can go back and listen to it or watch it again. You know, you, people say, but I have this and this, and I just don't feel like rushing around to try to get to church from work, you know, on, on Wednesday night. It's, I'm, I'm busy, and it's, it's not real easy for me to rush home and, and, and get something to eat and change my clothes and, and get dressed and go back out to church. It's just a whole lot easier to just not go. I could probably do it, but it's nice to be able to sit there and relax on Sunday night, right? And that's where the commitment to being always faithful comes in. God, I don't know exactly how I'm going to work it out. It's not going to be an easy thing to do. It's not going to be easy for me to rush home from work, get changed, and go to church. But if that's what you want me to do, please help me do it. Somebody wrote about different church members and their attitude toward midweek services like this. They said this, Brother A thought it looked like rain and concluded that his family, including himself, of course, had better remain at home. On Thursday evening, it was raining very hard, and the same brother hired a carriage and took his whole family to the Academy of Music to hear a lecture on the intelligence of the lobster. Brother B thought he was too tired to go, so he stayed at home and worked at the sledge he had promised to make for Billy. Sister C thought the pavements were too slippery. It would be very dangerous for her to venture out. She was seen the next morning going down the street to get her old bonnet done up. She had an old pair of stockings drawn over her shoes. Three-fourths of the members stayed at home. God was at the prayer meeting. The pastor was there, and God blessed them. The persons who stayed at home were each represented by a vacant seat. God don't bless empty seats. That was written quite a while ago, and, and it's probably even more, more appropriate today than it ever has been, uh, or maybe I should say it fits more today than it ever has, but I know this for sure. God has you here at this time for a reason. God's given you specific talents, specific abilities, and when you're not in your place and ready to go all, all out for the cause of Christ, then the church loses out. When you aren't in your place, you're missing out on just exactly what it is, whatever it is that God had for you to get in that service. When you skip out on being in God's house, you're shortchanging yourself and what you need to help you get from where God, where you are now to where God wants you to be. And we find in Jeremiah 29, verse 13, that God has a plan for every single person's life. I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. That means he's trying to take us all from point A to point B. And yes, he uses our devotions. Yes, he uses different things in our life. But he uses the preaching of the word of God the most. And when you miss out on that preaching, you're missing out on being what God wants you to be. God has something for every single one of us every single time we get together. And it may be that, you know what, that's already, I've, I've got that taken care of in my life, but you know what, I'm going to make sure I don't slip in that area. It might be just something as simple as that, but God uses that in our lives. God uses that in our hearts to help us get from where we are to where he wants us to be so he can really use us. Can you name me anything more important in all the world than growing as the Christian that God wants you to be? Is there anything more important than that? 
Can you give me anything that Jesus Christ gave his life for other than the church and the people who make it up? When you skip out on Sunday school and Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night, special meetings, you name it, you're saying that whatever that thing is that I'm skipping for is more important than the church that Jesus Christ gave his life for. The very thing, the only thing that Jesus Christ died for, and I think that's a serious mistake. This year, won't you make a commitment to be always faithful to God's house? But number two, won't you make a commitment to be always faithful to the cross? And I know that sounds maybe very broad, but let me explain what I mean. And I think this is another point that I don't need to shove Bible verses at you because you are well aware of what the Bible says about our witnessing for Jesus Christ. But being faithful to the cross demands that we, first of all, be dedicated to sharing the gospel. We're commanded over and over and over in the scripture to share the message of the gospel. That's a huge point of emphasis and focus in our church. We spend a lot of energy preaching about sharing the message of the gospel. We spend a lot of energy in trying to get the gospel out. And I've said this many times before. There's a reason that God does not take us home the moment we accept him as our savior. Why doesn't the, the day you get saved, God says, perfect, that's all, that's all you were on this earth for. I'm taking you home. No, it's because God has a job for us after we get saved, and that is to tell everybody else that we can possibly tell that they need a Savior too. They need somebody to share that message of the gospel with them. If Christians are not spreading the gospel, then how are they going to hear? I, brethren, we need to see souls getting saved. We had, a, we had a few this year, and admittedly, it's harder to get somebody from point A to point B in the gospel now than it ever has been. So few people have a, any kind of background in church, let alone a background in understanding what the gospel is. And, you know, it used to be that, that, that kids grew up going to Sunday school. They grew up going to vacation Bible schools. They grew up, you know, attending church with their grandmother here and there a few times a year. That doesn't happen anymore because most of the grandmothers aren't even in church today. It's hard to get somebody to understand the gospel, but that doesn't mean that we don't have to do it. It means we need to try even harder. That's no excuse for not seeing souls saved on a regular basis. So let me ask you this. Do you know your neighbors? Have you given them the gospel? And not just invited them to church, but invited them to know Jesus Christ as their own personal Savior. And if you know them, then go to the neighbors on the other side of them. Keep going down the street. Souls are one, one by one by one by one, and we have to be the ones that win them. I'm doing my best to get the gospel out in, 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 our, in our area. Our neighbor got saved a, a few months back. We're doing everything we can to try to share the message of the gospel, but we cannot do it alone. Everybody has to be involved in sharing the message of the gospel. By faith, won't you say, I don't know how they're going to get saved, and I don't know what the consequences will be, but I'm going to do my best to share the message of the gospel with them. I heard of a painting of a ship that was sinking, and the ship had already gone down, and you could just barely see a little bit of the hull of the ship sink, uh, uh, above the water. But uh, there were people in the water, and there was, there was a lifeboat, and it was obvious it, by seeing the painting that they were out there trying to rescue those who were floating in the water. The one lifeboat had a man that was leaning over the rail, and he had his arm extended down toward the water, and there was a, there was a man in the water who was reaching up toward that hand. And a little boy went into that, uh, went in and saw that painting. He was standing there with his dad, and he studied that picture for a little bit. And, of course, that picture was meant to illustrate the rescue, the perishing, care for the dying. There's people that are out there that are dying that need to be rescued, that need to be saved. 
And that young boy, after looking at that picture for a few minutes, he looked at his dad and he said, Daddy, is that man trying to save those people or is he just shaking hands? And honestly, that's the way a lot of Christians are. Are we out there trying to rescue the perishing? Are we out there caring for the dying? Or are we just shaking hands? Most Christians are out there just shaking hands. Hey, they'll be a nice person. They'll live the way that a Christian ought to live when it comes to dealing with their neighbors and acting right and, and treating them the right way. But they're not rescuing the perishing. They're not, they're not sharing the message of the gospel with them. They're shaking hands and hope that's what's enough to get them out of the, out of the water and into the lifeboat. And it's not enough. Every Christian has to ask that question of themselves. Are we really endeavoring to bring people to Jesus Christ? Bringing people to Jesus Christ is the, is the principal duty of every single Christian. Yes, we have a responsibility to live like Christians. Yes, we have a responsibility to be kind. Yes, we have a responsibility to help others. Yes, we have the responsibility to do the things that Christians do. But our number one job is to share the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ with the lost and dying world. Jesus Christ didn't come first as a great teacher or a great philosopher or a great healer. The Bible tells us why he came in Luke chapter 19 and verse 10. The Bible says, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. That's why Jesus Christ came, and that's why we're here on this earth. Our job and our responsibility is to share the message of the gospel. We must be about our Father's business. Being faithful to the cross also means being dedicated to the ministries that, that, uh, of the church that are involved in outreach and discipleship. My goal this year is to try to get every single person in this church involved in one inreach and one outreach ministry. And we have inreach and outreach ministry. By that, I mean you'll be involved in, in the nursery as an inreach, and, a, and moms and tots as an outreach. We'll be involved in a Sunday school class as an inreach, and, and Saturday visitation as an outreach. We'll be involved in ushering as an inreach, and, and the bus ministry as an outreach. Every single one of us has an opportunity to do that. And boy, wouldn't it be great. Imagine what we could accomplish for the cause of Jesus Christ if everybody said, let me get involved. Let me see where I can help out. I'm not trying to be a smart aleck, but ministries don't run themselves. They're run and they're operated by, by people who are willing to step out in faith and say, God, I'm here. I'm available. What do you want me to do? But most people never get past the God, I'm available, let alone get to the point of what do you want me to do? But if we're not doing that as Christians, then what's the point of even pretending to be Christians? Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 8 says, Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I. Send me. I'm here. I'm available. God, what do you want me to do? What do you want to accomplish through my life? There are a lot of opportunities to jump in and serve. Maybe even you've been on the fence about joining the church. Won't you take that step and then jump in with both feet? Can you sing? Join the choir. Can you work with kids? Get in a Sunday school class and get involved. Get involved in the bus ministry. What a great opportunity we have to reach out into this community and help people uh, bring their kids to church. Can you play an instrument? Boy, I'd love to start a little orchestra and have some special music. We got a lot of people in our church that I keep hearing about that. Oh, I used to play this. I used to play that. Man, get, get it back out. I have a trumpet. It's sitting, on my, it's sitting on my chair in my office right now because I pulled it back out. I'm going to pull that thing out. I'm going to start practicing again. Played the trumpet for years and years and years. And I'll tell you why I stopped, because we started the church in a hotel, and I couldn't wake everybody up in the mornings with a trumpet. It wouldn't have gone over very well, so I stopped playing it just because of, of the practice. I couldn't play the trumpet in, in an 11 o'clock service when there's people sleeping right above you, right? 
But I, I, I picked it up here and there, but that's something I want to get back into this year. We got, we got young kids that are learning how to play the piano. We got people that are, that, that are playing the violins and, and guitar and different things. Man, if, if that's an ability that you have, that's a talent that God gave you. Use it in his service. Man, it's something that, that would be wonderful to add as an addition to, to, to our, our special music. And even to play along with the hymns. It's a way you can serve. It's a way you can get involved. It's a way you can participate and what God has going on here. Maybe you can't move very much physically. Get involved with the writing to our missionaries and sending out the cards. By the way, I forgot to mention it during the announcements. We're going to have a meeting next week for all those who want to get involved in sending out cards, birthday cards, anniversary cards to our missionaries. But what another great way to get involved in doing something for the cause of Jesus Christ. We have several more outreach ministries that I would love to start, but we need people, and we need folks to be involved. We need people to serve. Timothy Stackpole was a New York firefighter, and just in a, in a regular house fire in 1998, he was burned very severely, and he recovered, and he returned to working as a firefighter, even though there was a lot of people in the forest that said, boy, you don't have to do this. You could retire with a full pension, and you could just relax the rest of your life. You can go do something else if you want to. He had full disability, but he said, no, my passion is helping people. My passion is to get out there and and." rescue people who are dying in fires and whatever else and, to, and try to help as many people as I can. And it wasn't too long after that, that he was promoted to captain. And it wasn't too long after that that he was one of the firefighters that ran into the second tower on September 11, 2001 to try to save some more people if he could. And that tower collapsed with him in it and he didn't make it out alive. And I think it's so interesting. He knew his calling. His calling was to save people. And that's exactly what God has given to each one of us. Our calling is to rescue anybody that we can rescue. We should be living for him. Our job on this earth is not to live as comfortably as we can until we die and go to heaven. Our job is to do the best to our ability that we have been called to do as Christians, and that is to win souls for Jesus Christ. Charles Peace was a notorious criminal in England. He was actually executed on February the 25th of 1879. I'll tell you how long ago this was. But just before his execution, and it was a public execution when they used to hang people out in the public square and kind of use that as a deterrent. And I mean, it used to be a big deal when they would hang somebody and giant crowds would show up. And they would always, of course, they would have the executioner and he was standing there ready to pull the lever that would drop him down through and, and hang this guy. But they always had a minister that was up there that would give this guy one more opportunity to confess his sins or whatever else. And it was just a, it was just a, a process that they went through. And so this Anglican minister got up there and half-heartedly read through what's known as the consolation of religion. And he said, those who die without Christ experience hell, which is the pain of forever dying without the release, which death itself can bring. And that notorious criminal, Charles Peace, stopped that minister in his tracks. And these really ended up becoming his last words. But he said this, sir... If I believed what you and the church of God say that you believe, even if England were covered with broken glass from coast to coast, I would walk over it if need be on hands and knees and think it worthwhile living just to save one soul from the eternal hell like that. What a thought from some guy who didn't have any desire to be saved. But if we really believe what we say we believe about how horrible hell is and how wonderful heaven is, then what would ever keep us from sharing the message of the gospel with anybody that we needed to tell? We have a tremendous opportunity to impact eternity as we share the gospel, keeping people out of hell 
and populating heaven. What a greater responsibility can we have than doing that? This year, once you make a commitment to be always faithful to God's house, to be always faithful to the cross, and then lastly, if you will, turn over to Mark chapter 12. Once you make a commitment to be faithful to the finish. So many Christians are dropping out of the race to chase after the things of this world. That's why Christianity as a whole is, is really nothing more than just a name. Oh, sure, I'm a Christian. Yeah, I go to church. I go to one of these churches where they rock the house every Sunday and where they, you know, play the music as loud as they can to try to give you this emotional experience so that you'll come back and keep giving money. That's not, that's not church. It's not true Christianity. So many Christians are dropping out. Most of them are not even bad things that they're going after, but they're keeping us from the best things. So, so many people are pursuing careers, chasing the almighty dollar. The next thing you know, they're not in church. They're not reading the Bible. They're not praying. The devil has them exactly where, the, where he wants them. Not necessarily in deep sin, but ineffective for the cause of Jesus Christ. That's where, that's where the devil is trying to get every single one of us. He doesn't care if we claim to be, I mean, once we're saved, he can't do anything about it. Right? Once we're saved, he's already lost us to bring us to, to, to hell. He can't bring us to hell once we know Jesus Christ is our Savior. But he can keep us from being effective for Jesus Christ. He can keep us from sharing the message of the gospel. He can keep us from having that relationship with God that God wants to have with us. Because when we're right with him and we're moving forward for him, we will tell other people about Jesus Christ. We will be on fire with the message of the gospel. Mark chapter 12 and verse number 17 and Jesus answering said unto them, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And they marveled at him. Now that might seem like an odd passage to talk about that, that idea, but think about this. Have you rendered to Jesus Christ the things that are his? I'll guarantee you that when tax season comes around here in a couple of weeks, you're going to render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. You're not going to skip out on paying your taxes because you know the consequences of not paying your taxes. But do you realize that Jesus Christ is the King of kings and the Lord of lords? Have you taken the crown from your head and put the crown on his head? You say, Lord, I, I surrender my, my gold to you. I pay my tribute to you. I bow my knee to you. In every person's heart, there's a throne. And what happens with most Christians is that we are sitting on the throne of our hearts. What we need to do is take that crown off of our head, put it on Jesus Christ's head, and let him sit on the throne in our hearts. But we make that decision every single day. Am I going to put him on the throne or am I going to sit on it myself? And so many Christians are sitting on that throne. I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to live how I want to live. I'm going to make the money that I want to make. I want to do this. I want to do that. If I get around to living like Jesus Christ wants me to live, then hey, that's great. If I can get, if I can get to church every few weeks, hey, that's good. If I can tell somebody about Christ once every five years, hey, that's good. No. Jesus Christ needs to be sitting on the throne in your heart. Because when self is on the throne, Christ is on the cross. When Christ is on the throne, then self is on the cross. And every person is one of, in one of those two categories every single day. Even the wise men fell and worshipped Jesus. They, they were truly wise, not because they brought gifts, not because of all the accolades that they had, but because they recognized the sovereignty of Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ comes back, I want to be found faithful to him. Don't you? I want to be found faithful to the finish. I want to be faithful on the last day of my life. I, don't, I, don't, I want him to find me busy in his service. I want him to catch me serving and working for him. I don't, I don't want him to catch me sitting out of church. I don't want him to catch me 
you know, find me lazy because I didn't feel like getting involved in ministries that he gave me the ability to serve in. I don't want to be found scared to give out the gospel with people all around me that I had an opportunity to share the message of the gospel with that I never did. I heard about some people who were out on a boat. The dark, stormy night kind of seems to be the theme of these illustrations, but the passengers were frightened, so they sent somebody to talk to the captain of the ship, and he asked the captain about the boat's condition. The captain said, well, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I'll give it to you straight. This is a leaky old ship. We might go down. He said, and, and, and the boilers are, are, are kind of failing. We might go up, but either way, we're going forward. And that's exactly what the mindset, that's, that's where we are as we look at this year to come. It's a, it's a dark, stormy night. The old world is, is not what it ought to be. We don't know what's going to happen. We may go down. We may go up. But by God's grace, we need to keep going forward for the cause of Jesus Christ. We don't know what this new year is going to bring. We've never passed this way before is what the Bible says. We don't have to know where we're going. Abraham went out without any idea of where he was going. Right? If, if, if Abraham had been, if Abraham knew where he was going, his eyes would have been on the destination. Do you know where Abraham's eyes were? They were on God. Because he didn't know where he was going. He said, God, I'm, I'm watching you. I, I don't know where you're going to drop me. I don't know where I'm going to land. I don't know where I'm going to end up. But my eyes are on you. You just tell me where to go. You tell me where to stop. You tell me what I need to do next. And that's the way we are. We don't know what's going to happen next. We don't know what's going to happen this afternoon, let alone a year from now. I don't know what this world is going to look like. I don't know what this country is going to look like. I don't know what this church is going to look like. We don't have any idea. But if we just make a commitment that, you know what, I'm going to be faithful to the end. I'm going to be faithful till I finish this race. And it doesn't matter what happens that goes on around us. It doesn't matter what the world does. It doesn't matter what other Christians do. It doesn't matter what other churches do. Only matters what God wants us to do. Aren't you glad you don't know the future? What if you knew the demands that would be placed on you in the future? It would be a pretty scary thing if we knew exactly what was going to happen. Sometimes it's better to not know. Sometimes it's better, not sometimes, always, it's better to just keep our eyes on him and let him deal with the future. You know what? God's already there. He knows what tomorrow looks like. He knows what next year looks like. He knows what... Ten years from now, looks like. We don't have to know. Because as long as we have our eyes on him, that's all that matters. He's already been in tomorrow. He already knows what's ahead. In Christ, we can have confidence that no matter what the day, the month, the year brings, might keep you down, but we have Jesus Christ. My challenge to you this morning and this year is to be found always faithful. You know, always means always. Doesn't leave a whole lot of wiggle room for getting out of being faithful if we're always faithful. Because the one time you're not means you're not always faithful anymore. You know, I, I forget exactly what they call it, but you always do that. Well, not always. There's a few times when I don't. But always means always, right? That means there's not a lot of room for not being faithful. I want you to make a commitment this morning to be always faithful. Always faithful to God's house. If you're involved in every service, then keep it up. If not, then start. Always faithful to the cross. Make a commitment to do everything you can to win one soul for Jesus Christ this year. Could you imagine if, and we have a lot of people that are gone today, but could you imagine if every single person that's just in this auditorium right now 
won one person to Jesus Christ? Have you ever won somebody to Christ? Have you ever told somebody about how they can be saved? It's a great place to start. Start telling them. You tell enough people, you know what's going to happen? Somebody's going to accept. Somebody's going to get saved. You just have to tell them. And you've got to keep telling them. And you've got to keep sharing it. And that takes commitment. It takes effort because it's not easy to share the message of the gospel with somebody who doesn't want to hear it. But could you imagine what God could do with this church if everybody made a commitment this year that I will win one person to Jesus Christ and I'm going to keep telling and keep telling and keep telling until somebody gets saved. But then to make a commitment to it, be always faithful to the finish. Finish strong for Jesus Christ, whether he comes back today or tomorrow or 50 years from now. I want to be found faithfully doing what he wants me to do. Always faithful. That's the, that's the commitment that the Marines make when they join up and become a Marine. I'm always going to be faithful to the mission. I'm always going to be faithful to the cause. I'm always going to be faithful to my fellow Marines. Once a Marine, always a Marine. And I'm not one. I, I appreciate their service. I appreciate what they do. But boy, there's something that's a whole lot more important than that. And that's being always faithful as a Christian. Always faithful. Doesn't matter what changes. Doesn't matter what stays the same. I'm always going to be faithful to the cause of Jesus Christ. That's something that we can look forward to doing this year. And I hope you'll take that challenge and make that commitment that I will always be faithful to church. I will always be faithful to the cross. And I will always be faithful till the last day of my life. Whenever that happens to be. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Again, we thank you so much for your goodness to us. And we don't take that for granted. God, what a tremendous thing it is to be able to feel and be a part of your goodness every single day. Thank you for life. Thank you for every breath you give us. And God, every breath has a reason. You have a job and a, and a, and a responsibility for each one of us. Everybody has different talents. Everybody has different abilities. And it's a good thing. Because how weird would this place be if everybody was exactly the same? But you've given every single one of us something specific that we can use to serve you. And God, I pray that you'd help every single one of us to use those talents in your service so that by the time we stand before you, you would be able to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. God, I pray that you'd help us to be found faithful. Always faithful. And I pray that where we need to this morning, we'd make that commitment to live for you, to serve you, to love you, and to always be faithful to you. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. I pray that you'd help us to keep that in mind as we look forward to this new year. Thank you for all that you do for us in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would, please stand at your seats with your heads.